church this morning. Are you guys excited to be here today? Well, here at Fam Church, our heart, our goal, and our passion is to reach this community, is to reach the city of Mulberry for Jesus. And that's why our mission statement is connecting people with Christ. Our, our hope, our goal, our passion is to connect this community with Jesus and have them meet Jesus in ways that they never have before. We're glad that you're with us today. If you're here for the first time or the first time in a long time, we're glad that you're with us today. If you're in church for the very first time, we want to welcome you. And if you're here this morning because uh, last night you were watching the TV show Ancient Aliens, and uh, as you were watching, you thought to yourself, I would like to go to the belt of Orion, and I need a way to get there. And this place looked like a UFO. And so you said to yourself, man, maybe if I go in there, they'll take me there. Our flight departs in two hours. Okay? Now, I was told that this church was known as a UFO church back in the day, so, uh, uh, but I uh, want to welcome you to Fam Church. Um, we've got uh, an exciting day for you, and we are just a couple of weeks away from Christmas. Some are not. Well, this Christmas, uh, this Christmas falls on a Sunday, and so just to let you know, we will be having an abbreviated service on Sunday, uh, that Sunday morning, Christmas Day, for those of you who would like to come to church. Uh, we also are going to be having a Christmas Eve service on Christmas Eve at 4 p.m. They're going to both last less than an hour, so they're going to be very short. I just want to invite you guys out to both of those, because um, it's going to be an amazing time. Well, we are starting a new series this morning called It's a Wonderful Life, and it's based on the timeless movie classic by the same title called It's a Wonderful Life. And, for those of you who don't know, I watched it for the first time a couple weeks ago. It was a struggle, it was a battle, and it was a fight, and it took me three days to get through the movie, but I finally finished it. I just told some people that if they just had like an alien invasion or something in the movie, it would have been way better. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I've been told I was un-American because I didn't like the movie or I wasn't for people, they kind of give me the blank stare with the, and they don't know what to say, and because they're just like, you're really weird, okay? And so, just don't be offended, and I expect blank stares when I give the answer. But this morning's message, uh, we're going to talk about plans. How many of us have made plans at one point in time in our life? We made plans to go to a restaurant after church. Maybe we made plans to go fishing on a Saturday morning. I mean, I think everybody's made plans. If you haven't made plans... Where have you been living is my question, okay? What have you been doing? Yeah, we've all made plans. How many of you have ever had those plans go bad? Like you planned an outdoor activity for your backyard and uh, that day was the day it decided to rain all day and so you had everybody in your house and you had volleyball and you had croquet and you had all these outdoor sports planned and you didn't know what to do with all these people in your house and tried to run through the house, ruin your carpet. And it just, yeah, uh, we've all had days like that, right? How many of you have ever gone boating and maybe sunk your boat instead of actually boating around? Uh, my dad did that one time. Uh, he was putting the boat in the water and he forgot to put the plug back in the bottom of the boat. But you know what happens when there's no plug in a boat? It sinks. And uh, so my dad, and so he had this great idea. I'm saying all this and uh, hopefully he doesn't watch this video. But uh, he, he has this idea as if he gets the boat going and he gets it up on plane, then all the water Thunderstorm. 
That's the story of my life, okay? Every time I plan a beach day, it's a bad weather day. I mean, we had a time one time where uh, we, we had a long summer. And so uh, a friend of ours, this is when we were living in Ocala, a friend of ours uh, was renting a, uh, a house uh, over in Mormon Beach. And so he called us and he said, hey, you guys come over for a couple of days. I know you had a long summer. You can go to the beach with us. You can hang out. And so I'm like, okay, that sounds like a good plan. And so we, we got up one morning and the plan was to leave the house at 9 o'clock in the morning. However, if you've ever had to get four women out of the house at 9 o'clock in the morning, we didn't leave until 11, okay? And uh, I'm getting dirty looks from my wife, so I'm going to go stand over here, all right? Um, so we drove to Harmon Beach, and when we got there, um, we, we needed something to eat because it was lunchtime. And so we stopped at Publix to get subs. How many of you know public subs will be in heaven? Yeah. Amen? Okay. You guys with me on that one? All right. And, uh, and so, and I don't know what the heck it took. It took us like an hour and a half in Publix. I don't know why. All we're buying was subs. But we finally get to the beach. It's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And it had been a beautiful day. It had been a sunny, warm day. And it was partly cloudy skies, just like you think of on a typical August day here in Florida. And uh, so we had sun all the way there. We had sun when we were in Publix. We had sun when we got in the car and drove to the beach, the spot parking had to go in the water, and so we get there, we park the car, we unload the car, and like literally five minutes after we get the stuff out of the car, this rain comes from out of nowhere. I still have no idea where, it's, where it came from, because it was so beautiful, and all of a sudden there's clouds and it starts pouring, and so Dana looks at me and says, well, let's load the car back up and go to where we're staying. All right, well, here's the deal. I wanted to go to the beach. I didn't want to have to leave the beach. I'm sick of the beach. I was getting ruined by stupid rain, and so I said, no, we are not going anywhere. Okay? We are staying right here. We're going to have fun in the waters. Well, it just started raining heavier and heavier and heavier. And she's standing there looking at me. And I'm just sitting there going, I am not going to let this thing beat me. My plans are going to happen. Well, finally, after 10 minutes of standing in the pouring rain, she just starts loading up the car. Okay? And says, me and the kids are going to where we're staying. You can stay here and stand in the rain if you want to. Well, of course, I wasn't going to stand at the beach by myself, so I got in the car, but I was not happy about it. I was pretty ticked off, okay? Uh, because my plans got all jacked up. Well, in the movie It's a Wonderful Life, our lead character, George, his plans get all jacked up. His plans get all messed up as well. See, he had this plan. He had this idea. What his picture of life was, was he was going to finish high school, make enough money to travel the world, and then after he traveled the world, he was going to go to college and get his degree so that he could get a job and make lots of money. And so that was his plan, and he scrimped, and he saved, and he worked, and he finally got to the place where he, where he had the money. He booked his European vacation. He got his college all set up. Well, as he was hanging out at home, waiting for that day to come for him to leave on this trip, something tragic happened and his plans changed. His father had a stroke and he ended up dying. His father, who ran Bailey Building and Loan, that was the family business, dies. And so George, in order to keep his family business afloat, cancels his European vacation. But... He still is getting ready to go off to college because he still wants to go to college. And the day that he's getting ready to leave for college, this happens.
thing he never once thought of himself. When they ride off the building, he didn't save enough money to send Harry to school, let alone me. But he did help a few people get out of your slums, Mr. Potter. And what's wrong with that? Here, you're all businessmen here. Don't make them better citizens, don't make them better customers. You, you said that, what you say, Mr. Manager, they, they have to wait and save their money before they even thought of a decent home? Wait, wait for what? Until their children grow up and leave them, until they're so old and broken down that they, you know how long it takes a working man to save $5,000? Just remember this, Mr. Potter, that this rabble you're talking about, they do most of the working and paying and living and dying in this community. Was it too much to have them work and pay and live and die in a couple of decent rooms in the bath? Anyway, my father didn't think so. People were human beings to him, but to you, a warped, frustrated old man, they're cattle. Well, my book, he died a much richer man than you will ever be. I'm not interested in your book. I'm talking about the building and home. I know very well what you're talking about. You're talking about something you can't get your fingers on, and it's gone, and that's what you're talking about. I know. Well, I, I, I've said too much. I, you're, the, you're the board here. You do what you want with this thing. There's just one thing more, though. This town needs this measly one-horse institution, if only to have some place where people can come without crawling the water. life. 
But this morning I believe that Jesus, with Jesus, He can show us that even the best laid plans in life, even when they go bad, as long as we're with Him, we can still say it's a wonderful life. Because a messed up plan is the story of Christmas in the first place. Christmas is about what happens when plans go bad. And you may be saying to yourself, no, Christmas is not about when plans go bad. Christmas is about a baby in a manger and angels singing and silent night and, and good news of great joy. And so, are you sure you know what you're talking about? But see, the real story of Christmas is about plans going bad. And so to elaborate what I'm talking about, I want to start uh, with going for God, going back to God's whole plan for this world in which we live in. God's plan is found in Genesis chapter 1. Um, and uh, that's what we're going to be reading from uh, verses 27 through 31 in Genesis chapter 1. Uh, if you're familiar with Genesis, where Genesis is at in the Bible, you're welcome to turn there. If you don't know where Genesis is at, it's the first book in the Bible. So you just go to the beginning, find the first book, and go to chapter 1, and it should be there. If you still don't know or, or don't have a Bible or whatever, we're going to have them on the screen behind me for you to be able to follow along with. Uh, but uh, here's what it says uh, in Genesis uh, 1, verses 27 through 31. It says this, So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in numbers. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has a breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. What was God's plan? God's plan was to create a perfect creation. God's plan was to create a perfect place where life was all good. God's plan A was a good plan, was a great plan, was an awesome plan. He had created this excellent place and it was supposed to go on for all eternity. This perfect place that he talks about in Genesis chapter 1, it was supposed to go on and on and on. There was going to be no natural disasters. There was going to be no human tragedies. There was going to be no hunger. There was going to be no disease. There was going to be no wars or any of the things that we know in this world that ruin and destroy. If there are vegans in the room, this would have been your time to live. Because it says that all the plants of the field were given for food. We weren't even able to eat meat. I would argue that the only good thing that came out of the fall was steak, bacon, uh, ribs. Uh, yes? No? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know, I try to picture a world without meat, and it's hard to picture a world without meat, I'm not going to lie. But, uh, but that's the, that, that was the world. It was such a wonderful place that God figured no one's going to want to change that. No one's going to want to mess with that. No one's going to want to do something to screw that up. That was his plan A. But even God's plans don't go the way he wants them to. Let that sink in for a minute. Think about that. We're worried because our plans don't always go the way we want them to. Well, God's plan didn't go the way he wanted it to. Pretty incredible, right? God, the one who's in charge of the universe, his plans not going the way he wanted to. It all falls apart in Genesis chapter 3, a couple chapters later. The, the whole wheels come off of this operation. And, uh, and, and what happened was, is Adam and Eve, they're, they're living their lives, and God just gives them 
this tree of knowledge of good and evil. That was all they had to do. And so they're hanging out in the garden. They're doing their thing. They're living their life. And they've got this tree there. They've never been bothered by going to this tree or having to go to this tree and eat. And then suddenly a talking serpent rolls up and says to them, Hey, you're missing out on something. You're missing something. And suddenly Adam and Eve, instead of being focused on this temple, on this glorious creation that God had made for them to live in, now their mind was focused on the one thing that they were told not to do. And can I tell you that that is still one of the biggest things that trips believers up these days? Satan can come to us and all he has to do is say, hey, God's keeping something from you over there. And guess what we do? Oh, God must be keeping something from me over here. And so we go after it, right? I have seen so many believers get tripped up by this thing, by, by, by you know, God says I shouldn't do this, and somebody comes and whispers in our ear and says, yes, but it's so amazing. And so we're like, oh, God must be holding out on me. God doesn't hold out on us. God tells us not to do something for a reason, because He knows that getting involved in that activity, that participating in that thing, is actually going to bring more harm to us than good. And He's trying to keep us from that. But the plans go bad. They eat the fruit. The plan A, supposed to be a wonderful world, suddenly all falls apart. There was supposed to be a bond between people and animals. Now suddenly there was enmity between people and animals. Childbirth, I guess it was supposed to be painless and fun. How many women have had painless and fun childbirths in the room? Anyone want to give a shout for a... Yeah, but suddenly childbirth went from one thing to now it's switched over to another thing. Suddenly childbirth is painful. Suddenly childbirth hurts. There's labor and work involved. In plan A, the husband and wife, the, the wife was taken out of the husband's side. They were meant to work together side by side and living their life. Now suddenly there's going to be enmity and fighting and strife and bickering and battling between men and women and husband and wife. With the desire for each one to control the other. The garden that was supposed to produce fruit, fruit and food for Adam and Eve to eat suddenly was going to become work where thorns and thistles were going to compete against the fruit they were going to try and grow to eat. Suddenly this whole thing changed. And then, and then finally, the relationship that Adam and Eve had with God was broken, fragmented, and destroyed. It went from God coming down and walking with them in the cool of the day to God not being able to even spend any time with them because they had sinned, sin had entered in, and it broke that relationship. In a moment, with a quick decision, the perfect world that God created became a mess. God's plan of a world without pain, a world without suffering, a world where God's presence lived and walked with all people was now gone. So instead of us running naked through the fields without a care in the world, now we're crying besides a family member who's sick and we don't know if they're going to get better. Instead of every day being a beautiful day, you're praying for someone who's about to go through surgery. You want to talk about the plan that went horribly awry? This was it. It wasn't like this God didn't get an opportunity to travel the world. It wasn't like God didn't have the opportunity to go to college like George did in the movie. Every single thing he planned for everyone for all eternity came apart in that one moment, in that one instant. Crumbled, gone, poof, gone. Now 
not only did God's plan fly off the wheels, but it messed up our ability to have a wonderful life. And put yourself in God's position. What would you do? What would you do if you were in God's position and suddenly everything that you had planned, everything you'd laid a foundation for came completely apart? Many of us would probably think like George does in the movie a little bit later where we see this moment where, where he's getting ready to jump off a bridge and kill himself. You know, some of us maybe would come to that point if we saw our plans go that bad. Others of us maybe wouldn't get to that point. But we would mentally get to a point where we determined that life was over, life was not worth living, life was not worth going forward anymore, and so we mentally end our life by no longer engaging. And now the world that was once a wonderful and great place has become the nightmare on Elm Street. Or for those of you who are younger, it's become the walking dead. But here's the thing. God didn't just sit back and say, man, this is all jacked up, this is a big mess, I'm done. I'm walking away, but there's nothing I can do about it. Instead, God said, the first plan didn't work, but it's not going to stop me from another plan because I have a wonderful life still planned for my people. And that's where we get Jesus. That is where we get the baby in the manger. That's where we get the angels singing, the silent night, because God has, God wants a wonderful life for us, even when plans go horribly wrong. And so, I just want to quickly flip over to chapter 2 of the book of Luke. Luke is in the New Testament. Bible's divided into two sections, Old Testament and New Testament. The old is before Jesus came. The new is the coming and start of the coming of Jesus. And Luke is the third book in the New Testament. You got Matthew, you got Mark, you got Luke. And we're reading verses 8 through 15. And this is what it says in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heavens and on earth. Peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. The one who is going to chart a new course for human history and fix the mess of the plan that went bad has arrived. This whole disaster, because of Adam and Eve, crushed God's plan, destroyed God's plan back in the beginning, but it's now able to be fixed, repaired, and restored. The good news of great joy has come. Angels were singing, and God's favor was there. Life had the opportunity to be wonderful again. Life had the chance, the opportunity to be amazing again. The plans that had been messed up, the things that had happened that tried to ruin the wonderful life that God had planned could now be reversed. But there was one difference between this and the original plan. You see, in the original plan, when you were born, you entered into a world that was perfect. There was no sin, there was no death, there was no destruction. But see, now the world is forever messed up until one day when God comes to set it straight again. And so, um, so, so something's a little bit different. When you're born, you're born in the, this messed up world, and this is not going to get fixed out here in your lifetime. And so God said, you know what, there has to be a different plan. And this different plan is, I'm going to put Jesus on the inside of them. And so the wonderful life may not be out here, but it's going to be right in here. 
So that regardless of what's happening, regardless of what's going on, we're going to have a wonderful life living inside of us, fixing, repairing, walking us through each and every single situation so that we can say, even in the midst of messes and troubles and trials, you know what? It's a wonderful life because I've got Jesus, I've got the God of this universe living right in here. And I know some people will say, well, wait a minute. If I've got this wonderful life now inside of me, doesn't that mean that my plans and my life are going to go great and perfect and nothing is going to get messed up? No. Unfortunately, because this world is still messed up, the plans and the purposes and the things that we want, that we desire, that we try to do are going to get messed up sometimes. And I hate to say this, but you are a if you are a follower of Jesus and you get married and your plan ever after, it may not work out that way. Okay? If you're a follower of Jesus, and your plan is, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to get a degree, I'm going to get a great job, and I'm going to make lots of money, your plan may not go that way. But does that mean God doesn't have a wonderful life planned for you? No. That's not what that means. God has a wonderful life planned for us regardless of the situations and circumstances that we find ourselves in. Regardless of whether we find ourselves married or divorced, whether we find ourselves rich or poor, whether we find ourselves healthy or sick, God has this wonderful life planned for us because He lives on the inside of us. But He also plans on doing something with each one of our lives. And for that, I want to read Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11 through 13. This is what it says. And Joe, if you could come on back up. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. See, God spoke these words to the nation of Israel after they've been taken from their homes and dropped in a foreign land as refugees. See, I'm sure their plan was to stay in their home and live their lives out in their territory and not have to leave their homes and their family and everything that they knew behind. But see, even though their plans had changed, God still had a wonderful life planned for the Israelites, even though it was someplace else in a different land the different people, the different everything else. But the key in getting a hold of this wonderful life is also understanding that it's not about our plans for our life, but it's about God's plan for our life. See, you're never going to be able to stop and say it's a wonderful life even if my plans get messed up, unless you have taken your will, unless you have taken your purposes, unless you have taken your plans and you have turned them over to the creator God of this universe and said, God, I want to go where you want me to go. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to live the life that you have for me. See, I've watched too many believers get too focused what they want from their lives to even consider what God would speak into their situation. But we have 
to let God speak into our situation, to our plans and our purposes. Because unless we let God speak into the situation and lead us in guidance, we're never going to be, be, be able to say it's a wonderful life because we're going to be so wrapped up in our own plans and our own plans failing that we're not going to even realize that God is there saying, look, you can have a wonderful life, but you've got to take your plans and put them aside and walk with my plan and purpose for your life. And that's ultimately what it comes down to. But when we get in that place, you can say, it's a wonderful life regardless of what's going on around you because you're right there where God wants you to be. And there's no better place to be. There's no more wonderful place than to be in the place that God 